Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And I'm going to present to you the very quick rundown of all the things before we get started. Give us all the things, Kate. Our website, forever35podcast.com, for links to anything we mention on the show, products, or otherwise. You can follow us on Instagram at Forever35Podcast and on Twitter at Forever35Pod. You can join the Forever35 Facebook group. The password is Serums. You may call us or text us at 781-591-0390. And you may email us at Forever35Podcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot to us, but also it especially helps people find our show, which we really appreciate. 
that's it. That's the stuff. Wow. You really went through it. You know, I'm just kind of like hammering it out here. I appreciate that. In a no-nonsense way. It's September. <laughs> it's fall, apparently. I mean, we're in the month of fall. Ugh. But fall in Los Angeles doesn't start till like November. Yes. And it's like three days and then it's <laughs> spring. Well, it's like October is always really hot, like unexpectedly hot. October is like the March of the East Coast where like you think March is going to be spring, but it's actually still really winter. Yes. Great analogy. And, thank you so much. And October is like, like you think it should be fall. Right. But it's a hundred degrees. But it's a and- hundred degrees. And just yep. because the grove has like their bales of hay and pumpkins set out does not mean that it's autumnal. Well, the nice thing is Dory, because, um, we're in a pandemic, we won't even see these cues that autumn is around us, these like shopping mall cues. It's true. Like perhaps we might visit a Starbucks walk-up window. Yeah, for a, for a PSL. What's a PSL? Pumpkin spice latte. Oh, duh. A PSL. <laughs> I don't think anyone really calls it that, but I feel like Starbucks has tried to make PSL happen like as an abbreviation. Psst. Old. doesn't yeah. quite work pistol no. yeah no. I don't um like it. i am not personally a fan i mean i don't drink coffee anymore but i'm not personally i was never personally a fan of the pumpkin spice latte it was very, very sweet but i do like i do like a pumpkin flavor not gonna oh, lie yeah a maple latte i can get into fall flavors oh yeah also Trader like, joe's always has oh. really good pumpkin stuff and they they carry that into their skincare yes like they they always, pumpkin body butter yes <laughs> Oh, it's pumpkin body butter season. You know what? We got to find the good where we can right now. It's so true. And I'll take it in some pumpkin body butter. Same here. Good Lord. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel at all. But also mentally, it doesn't feel like fall. You know, I'm still in I'm still almost in March a little bit. So it's very hard to even get a grip. You know, my kids are now asking me if Halloween is going to happen. And I'm like, ugh, y'all. I don't think, I don't know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how, I don't know. How the hell is Halloween going to happen? I mean, maybe everyone just dresses up as doctors. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> in all honesty, for a holiday, it's out, you know, it's mostly outside. You can wear a mask. Yeah, exactly. It's not, you know, you're not spitting in people's faces. It is feasible, I think, to to have some spirit of it. But I don't know what, you know, I'm not an expert. I don't know what's safe and what makes sense. And, you know, it's just going to be, you know, it is what it is. I told my kid, we can still dress up, walk around our house. Listen, I will be dressing Henry up and taking pictures. Yeah. Let's get I did not go through... Two years of infertility to not dress up my eighteen month old. Okay, he's ripe for it too because he has oh. no he has no say. Like he can't exactly. choose. Exactly, I can just go buck wild, and I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, last year he had a really good costume. He was a baby shark, and Matt was oh yeah, uh, that's cute. Quint from Jaws, and this year he's Doctor Fauci. And Henry is... No, Henry was going to be Dr. Fauci. What? For Halloween. Did we discuss that? 
No, is that true? No, wait, who said that? No, I'm saying that. <laughs> Who's on first? <laughs> Dr. Fauci's on first. <laughs> wait, you're saying that this year Henry should be Dr. Fauci. Yeah, like a real... T- you know you know how every year uh, there's always like the topical costume? Yes, I am familiar. <laughs> you know, like someone is like Katy Perry in the hamburger costume or whatever. And, and so... Yeah, Dr. or like left shark. Left, Remember yeah. That? All these Katy Perry specific <laughs> <Yeah>. costumes. <laughs> Let's just dress up as every Katy Perry meme from the last oh ten years. Great, I like a Katy Perry meme. <sighs> um, Mazel Tov to Katy Perry on the birth of her child. By the way, yeah, very exciting. The baby's name is Daisy. Yeah, it's very cute. I mean, yeah. Daisy Bloom, little on the nose, if you ask me. No, just kidding. Daisy <laughs> Bloom is the middle. Oh, yeah, I didn't even get that. Orlando oh, Bloom's. I didn't yeah. even get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Do I dress my child in a Mimi costume or do I just dress him as like a cute dragon? You know, these are really important questions that I will be pondering. I feel like you got to pun it up while you can. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to think long and hard about this. Great. Make them up. I feel like it's September. I got to start thinking. That's what I'm, that's what my kids are asking. Normally we get our costumes organized right now. Yeah. All right. (sighs) (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, I have been doing a lot of grieving lately, Dory. Is everything okay? I, I mean, just the grieving at the state of the world. and Oh, I see. Yes, yes, yes. Um, everything is okay in my life, personally, but I've just been feeling a lot of despair and sorrow and um, feeling it very deeply mm-hmm. and doing a lot of, like, questioning of myself and, like, whatever actions I take of, like, is this helping anyone? Is this helping me? Am I educating myself? Am I working towards the thing I want to be working towards? Anyway, I've been really... Really circling the drain on that one lately. It sounds like you're being really hard on yourself. I think a lot of people are struggling in this moment and asking themselves, like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? The world is a trash fire. And if, you know, if I'm not spending all my time trying to put out this trash fire, then like, what am I even doing? But I don't think that that is a realistic way to go through life. I mean... In my off hours, I've been taking melatonin, you know, to help me sleep at night. And I yep. I have crazy dreams. And I had a dream that I went on a flirty date with Chris Martin from Coldplay. So Ooh, I am spicing it up in my, <laughs> my sleep. <laughs> we didn't like we didn't kiss or anything. We just like were at lunch and it was like really flirty. And then Ooh. he and then he left and I was like, oh, I guess that's it. <laughs> anyway. Oh. Did he text you after? No, he ghosted me. Oh, Chris. Typical Chris Martin. Anyway, I I appreciate you letting me just word vomit here. I just, I, 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 you know, I, I want to make sure like my time on the planet is impactful. And I know I, that doesn't mean I have to like, fucking change the world but i i'm like this is not what am i doing of course googling like reading about blog like um instagram influencers or like fucking watching tiktok what does this do okay i'm gonna stop i'm gonna shut up it's okay it like it's a distraction from the again from the trash fire and we need those distractions okay 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 all right and there's always there is always going to be someone who is doing more than you 
you just have to accept that and you need to do what what is like within your limitations you know what i'm going to say next right dory that i feel deep gratitude for those people who are doing more than me see because you are a kind and thoughtful person (laughs) (laughs) of course like thank god for those people thank you people ah truly thank you yeah well should i read luster to distract me from things instead of looking at instagram yes i am reading it now it is a new novel by a woman named Raven Leilani. Everyone is reading it. <laughs> Truly everyone is reading it. It's really it's really entertaining. It's kind of got if anyone read My Year of Rest and Relaxation, which I really enjoyed, which I I think was kind of a polarizing book. Hmm. But I really liked it. It's Otessa Moshfeg's book that came out a few years ago. It's kind of got those vibes, but she's not asleep the whole year like she's actually leading a very active life but like she's kind of a mess in the same way but what's interesting well there are a few things that are interesting about it for one thing she's black and i feel like we rarely see like the messy black girl in novels yes it's a lot of um messy white women yes exactly like young messy white women by messy you mean like um a person in their 20s figuring their shit out totally yes like like having a lot of sex, you know, drinking a lot, getting fired from your job, like that kind of messy. Um, and she starts having an affair. This all happens in the very beginning of the book. So I'm not really revealing too much. Um, she starts having an affair with a much older white guy who lives in New Jersey. And then things kind of evolve from there with him and his family. I won't say any, anything else about the plot. And I'm not and I'm not done. I'm about halfway through the book, but I'm really liking it. And it's also bringing me back to this time in my life when I wasn't as messy, but like you know, you're young, you're living in New York in the Big Apple. Mhm. I was there once. You're going out till late late hours, you're working that entry-level job. It's just like that was a that was a different time. So anyway, is it making recommend. you like nostalgic? Like I miss it, or nostalgic? Like woo, glad that's done. Um, kind of not exactly either of those. Like I definitely don't. I definitely don't like want to go back to that time. But there was something. There's something so carefree about that time. Like yeah. the stakes just seem so low. It seems like the decisions you make like aren't they they both seem like every decision seems like momentously important but also not important at all. Like totally insignificant. Yeah. 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 And like you only have to worry you only really have to worry about yourself. <sighs> you know? Yeah. I remember so, that time. Yeah. But you know, I think about staying out till like four in the morning and I'm like, oh. Oh, I, yes. Get I mean, me into bed. <laughs> that feels uh, crazy. You know, I've been going through some, as as I've mentioned before, I've been going through some old stuff as I, as I write and revise my book. And I found the invitation to my 30th birthday party, which was a karaoke birthday party. Uh, we had a private room at a karaoke studio in Koreatown in New York. And the party started at 10. 
you told me this and this almost made me feel physically ill the thought and of, i was like like getting ready to go out at 10 what <laughs> i i remember i had a dinner with some like my my very close friends and i before the party we had a dinner so i was getting together with them at like eight or something but like the party itself started at 10 people well, arrived at 10 i remember what that was like you'd get to the bar at 10 yeah. yes yes and i was like what <laughs> The bars stay open till four in New York. So it's totally, like, totally. So it was just, but it was just very much like, oh yeah, that was, that was a different time. Yeah. I mean, there were definitely parties that I went to that started at 4 a.m. and ended at like, you know, like eight or nine in the morning, not like every weekend, but the occasional one. And it, it, I don't think I could do that. Oh, I never went to a party that started at four. Oh, well, you didn't roll with my, but I wasn't in the comedy world. <laughs> Things are crazy in the comedy world. <laughs> but even even just that that thought of like like I like to be home and in bed at 10 now. It, it, oh, like yeah. just this 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 experience of kind of like getting older and liking to sleep is a very real thing. Even I'm a late like I'm a, a night owl as one might say. Mhm. Mm mm -hmm. And I still don't think I could swing that anymore. Oh yeah, no. No, no. Here's what else I've been doing with my time. Okay. I made spicy rigatoni with vodka. Yeah, this sauce. sounds fantastic. It's so good. The Atlantic writer, Amanda Mull, who you and I have both talked about, whose work is so great. Very she good. tweeted about it and she said it was kind of a dupe for the spicy rigatoni with vodka sauce from Carbone, which is this like fancy Italian restaurant in New York and Las Vegas, which I've actually been to both of them. Oh. Um, but she linked to this recipe, which we'll link to in the show notes. And I was like, Ooh, I think I have all the ingredients randomly for this. And I just whipped it up last night and it is delicious. I highly recommend Yes, it was published on a website for college students and like how to how to cook cheap meals in your college apartment. But, you know, whatever works. But also that applies to 42, three, four year olds. Who gives a shit? I'm into it. Yeah. So that's my um, that's my recipe recommendation of the day. It is vegetarian, but not vegan. Okay. Heavy cream, I see. is listed Heavy, mm. heavy cream and some cheese. Mm. Is it is it very spicy? I'm wondering if I could feed it to my children. You you control the amount of spice. Okay. All right. Huh. So you can make it very spicy or not spicy at all. Well, they are not big on spice. I'm trying to get them in, but it's a slow process. I hear that. I'm trying very hard, though. Oh, this is a great recommendation. I'll make this. This sounds delicious. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, should we take a short break before we talk to... Brit Bennett? Yes. Let us preface this by saying that I was so fangirly nervous for this interview, I had to ask Dory to read the introduction because I was too nervous. Brit's really a special human, so I hope you've all read The Vanishing Half by now because we've both been raving about it. But Yes, and I don't think there are any spoilers in our interview, are no, there? No, there's not. So listen, even if you haven't read it, but then please go take it out from the library or buy it. It's fantastic. All right. Okay. We'll be right back. Hold up. 
Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires. It's like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like, truly, 
the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, This is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Our guest today is Britt Bennett. Britt, welcome to Forever 35. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, Britt was born and raised in Southern California and graduated from Stanford University and later earned her MFA in fiction at the University of Michigan, where she won a Hopwood Award in graduate short fiction. In 2014, she received the Hurston Wright Award for College Writers, and she is a National Book Foundation 5 Under 35 honoree. Her debut novel, The Mothers, was a New York Times bestseller. Her second novel, The Vanishing Half, was published this summer and was an instant number one New York Times bestseller and was recently optioned by HBO. And her essays have been featured in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The Paris Review, and Jezebel. 
And we are just so, so thrilled to have you on the show today. We both loved, devoured, are obsessed with the Vanishing Half. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. I'm gripping it in my hands right now with like hot, <laughs> hot, hot sweaty palms. <laughs> we've, we've both already raved about it on the podcast, so our listeners are aware that we're obsessed with your book, um, but perhaps you are not aware of the depths <laughs> of our obsession with your book. So uh, we're, we're really excited to chat with you. Um, so we usually like to kick things off with our guests by asking them about a self-care routine that they have. So we're wondering, is there something that you do routinely that you consider self-care and what is it? It's a good question. Um, you know, I I don't know that I, I have anything that I would consider a routine. Um, but I think a thing that has been important to me, I think the summer, um, which maybe sounds really basic, but is just being outside in some capacity. Um, whether yeah. it's writing outside um, or or somehow just, just getting, you know, I, I had a period, I was in California for the summer. So I got to experience, you know, the glory of backyards, um, and um, and just sitting in a backyard and writing, um, just you know, not not being trapped in the apartment in that way. So that's something that's been useful, um, helpful to me, and I, I think also just music. I'm just always constantly listening to music, and uh, that's something that I think is really important for me, just to uh, maintain joy during these uh, difficult times. Is there specific music that you're listening to now to maintain that joy? Yeah, I'm obsessed with the new Jesse Ware album. Um, I it's it's uh, such it's glamorous music. It feels it feels weird to describe in that way, but it's music that makes you think about like a glamorous night out. And mm-hmm. and there's a way in which I think that is something that is so it feels so luxurious in this time period. Um, you know, it's sad that that it's that it's going out music that you have to experience inside your home. But at the same time, right, right, right. Um, there is a type of fantasy, I think, that she creates in that album just sonically that I find uh, to be a really uh, sort of escapist kind of album right now. Oh, I love this recommendation. Do you? Is this the music that you listen to while writing? Or is, is this the music that when you stop working, you turn on? I think a little bit of both. Um, I I try to, I mean, I often am listening to music as I'm writing. um, And that is an album that you can just play from start to finish and as you're doing something else. Um, But it's also just music that I just love as I'm walking around or just sitting around. It's, it's a great album. There's, I, I, I love that recommendation so much because it is interesting. This idea of this, of like real going out dance music coming out, at a time yeah. where that's not accessible right. and how we can still enjoy it and embrace it in a new way, but also, you know, also alone. And it's kind yeah. of, it's just such an interesting choice. I love that. Yeah. It's an album that my friend um, Derek recommended. He had heard it, you know, first and was just like, you have to listen, you have to listen. Um, so we just kept talking about that. I think that there, there was a way in which I think both of us loving this album made it a little bit more communal than it would have been if I were just listening to dance music by myself. Um, so there was that experience of being able to, to, you know, talk to a friend about how much you love it. But I just, yeah, I love the fantasy in that, in that album. Um, it, I don't think it, I don't think I would have loved it more and out, like outside of the pandemic. I think it's, it's particularly, it creates this, uh, 
it, it feels, yeah, it feels fantastic. This like glamorous night out in a way that it would not have uh, if we weren't sheltering in place. Yeah. Um, well, I have not listened to it yet, but I'm excited to listen to it as soon as our interview ends. So just <laughs> Thank you for that recommendation. Up and turn it on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you spent March to July, I think, isolating in Brooklyn alone, and then you went to California. And I'm I'm curious, like, was there anything that you kind of took away from your time alone? And then what was it like to then be among family? <laughs> um, you know, I... I I think that the most surprising thing was that like when I, when it started to dawn on me that we were going to be sheltering in place for such a long time, you know, in the beginning, everybody was like, Oh, you know, it was sort of like two weeks at a time or absurd like that. Um, It was like like they didn't want to scare us. Yes. You know? Yes. (laughs) And I just be two weeks. Exactly. And I was like hearing that, but then I'm like going on Twitter and I'm reading, you know, sort of experts who are just like, it's not going to be two weeks. So there yeah. was, so there was yeah. some, that, that realization eventually in March and April and, and even, you know, especially being in New York and as things were getting really uh, nightmarish out here, um, it became, be, started to dawn on me, like this was going to last a long time of just being here by myself. I'd never spent that much time by myself uh, in my life. Uh, I hope to never again, but, yeah. um, but I think that the, the thing that, I realized was just that I'm, I'm capable of adapting to much more than I ever thought I was able. Um, I, I've never seen myself as a particularly flexible person. I've, I've always thought of myself very much as sort of a creature of habit and kind of resistant to change in a lot of ways. Um, and this was an experience where, you know, like everybody, we were just sort of caught in this sudden new reality. It felt like the world had just completely shifted overnight um, and you know, and I, and I got through it. So, yeah. so I think that there was that feeling. Um, and, and also to be fair, you know, I was so fortunate that I was able to work from home, um, that I knew that my family was all able to work from home. Um, so, so really the worst case scenario for me during this experience was just the loneliness and the boredom, uh, which yeah. was not, not the, not the end of the world, considering what most people were experiencing in New York at the time. Um, but at the same time, I think that's, that's when I look back at that, I, 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 I've had to do, since I've been back in New York, I had to do the 14 day quarantine. Mm. Um, and I had such rough patches of that 14 days. And I kept thinking to myself, like, but you did this before you did this for months. Yeah. Uh, but I think it really is what, what you were saying about coming off of spending time around family all summer and, and being around people for six weeks and then having to do the quarantine that, yeah. that I think was something that I was not prepared for the difficulty of that after having re-entered society. Right. That must've felt really jarring. Yeah, it definitely was. Especially being around family too, because that's such an intimate human connection. Like it's not just like going to the grocery store and being around people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's being around people who really, I mean, in some cases really, you know, know you and are yeah. part of you. So that must've been a stark difference going back and doing that 14 day. I have not done a, a 14 day quarantine yet. Cause I haven't traveled, but that sounds yeah. really hard. Yeah, it was hard. I kind of hit a wall about day five, day six, and then eventually Ugh. I was able to push through it. <laughs> but there became, it became that, that point of me. I, you know, was, I was sort of like, I have to build up my endurance again for, for solitude because it felt like it eroded over the summer when I was able to actually, you know, spend time with family, people who know you well and, and care about you. It sounds like though you, timed it like you were with family as the vanishing half was coming out is that right like did that all kind of hit at the same time 
No, it was a little bit after. Okay. Um, so the Vanishing Half came out at the beginning of June, and it was about the beginning of July that I went back to California. Got it. Okay. All right. It's the end of August right now, right? Yeah. Okay. I think <laughs> I, 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 read, like- I read an interview with you because you just turned 30. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And you talked about how you were supposed to have this like really fun celebration with your friends in Napa. And obviously that didn't happen, but that they sent you a ton of wine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm wondering like about celebrations under quarantine. Like you, you had your book come out. It was this massive success, you know, and, and your birthday and you're alone during this time. And so how did you kind of manage those celebrations? How did you let yourself celebrate while also being like, well, I'm alone? <laughs> I mean, it was strange. You know, that the birthday party was a surprise. Uh, I just, I, we were supposed to have, just have a Zoom with like two people. And then suddenly it was, you know, all of my friends who were supposed to be in Napa with me mm, and wow. all of the, all of the alcohol arriving through Drizzly. <laughs> so um, just covered my entire coffee table. Um, and that was something that, uh, that was so, I was so moved by it because I really thought, oh yeah, I was just going to spend my birthday alone, you know, what what else are you going to do? Um, so I think that there's, there's something, I I feel so fortunate during this time to have experienced such just completely wild, good fortune, um, at a time in which so many people are losing so much. Um, and I think that there's a way in which experiencing the highs and lows um, in that way during during this pandemic have made me sort of more appreciative of those highs, um, that mm. feeling of of you know I, I've never uh, I've never I've never had champagne alone until <laughs> until this this pandemic because people yeah. were you know like we, we would have some really good news and someone would send me a bottle of champagne. And I'm like, well, I guess, you know, I guess I got to drink it. It's here. Right. Um, but I don't think I've ever just had champagne by myself, you know? Because right, it's, it's like, here's to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and to me, that felt like a, a weird metaphor of what I was experiencing this moment of like champagne, solo champagne, you know? It's it's like, I'm really yeah. happy that I'm experiencing uh, th- these sort of, you know, just unbelievable milestones in, in life and also in my writing career. But also I am experiencing those by myself. I'm not, you know, with my friends celebrating in the way that I would hope to be. Um, right. So it was it was a lot of that mixture. But I think it, it made me feel really grateful because, um, you know, I really thought that I would feel I thought I would feel more alone, I think, during that time. Um, and, you know, the people who who love me and who care about me found ways to show me that care um, across distance and, and across space. It's hmm. beautiful. Well, the book is amazing. I don't even know what to say beyond that. It's I, I think it's a book that is staying with people. Obviously, you're doing like 800. I was just reading you're doing like Kaya Gerber's book club. I mean, it's like every Good Morning America. HBO just bought the rights to the book. And what sounds like was a massive bidding war. So it, it has struck an amazing nerve culturally. And I, I, I would love to hear kind of the inciting incident or the story um, that first gave you the seed of this idea and then what it was like expanding and really discovering these characters. Yeah, it was it, the, the seed of the idea was, was a conversation I had with my mother um, where she mentioned a town that she remembered hearing about as a child growing up in Louisiana. And it was a town uh, 
filled with, filled with light skinned black people who all intermarried within that community so that their children would get lighter from generation to generation. And it was, um, as soon as she said it to me, I thought that that was the genesis of a novel or at least the yeah. setting for a novel. Um, and I started to think about the experience of somebody who would be light skinned in a place like this, um, who, who might leave and go elsewhere. And the experience of someone who would be dark skinned in a place like this. And that was where I kind of got the idea for the twins, their lives taking them in really different directions and, and Desiree returning with her dark skinned child at the very beginning of the book. I mean, I, this is embarrassing because it kind of reveals something about me that listeners of this podcast know, but I'm a big romance reader and writer. And I immediately Googled Jude and Reese to see if there had been fan art made of your characters, (laughs) (laughs) which I know is not the main takeaway of this book, but I was like, I'm so in love with, with, there are so many interesting relationships and theirs is, is especially poignant and beautiful and, really carries throughout the whole story. So I did dig around for some fan art of them. I, <laughs> I don't know if you've been sent any yet. I have not seen any, but I would love I to have them. Okay. Yes. No, hey, maybe this is your calling. Maybe you need to make some fan <laughs> yes. art. I am. I'm a terrible artist. It will be horrifying. <laughs> we'll not do them any honors, but <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, well, if you find any, tag me. I would love to see it. Okay, <laughs> all right. And we'll just put the word out because many people are reading this book. Surely someone <laughs> can, can make this happen. What if what if, what have been the reactions um from readers and in, in, in what they've they've taken away? Has anything surprised you? I mean, I think I mean I think all of it has surprised me. I think um the the level of, of fervor I think is really uh so far beyond anything that I could have imagined. Um, so I think, I think that is one of the things that surprised me is just the intensity of people's feelings uh, towards these characters and towards this book. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's funny that you, that you mentioned Jude and Reese, because I think that that is the relationship that everybody wants to talk to me about. Um, mm. And particularly Reese is the character that everybody is in love with. Um, so that, that has been, um, there, there have been some sort of, trends like that that I've noticed in the conversations that I've had with people. And that's, that's one in particular that everybody just is in love with Reese and everybody loves that relationship. Oh, that's so funny. Did you expect that to have a, to, to create a character that all of a sudden everyone would be in love with? (laughs) I, no, I didn't. Um, and it was, you know, it's awesome. I think that I, I, with my first book that the relation, like the romantic relationships at the heart of the mothers are very toxic. So mm-hmm. um, when I, when I set out to write this book, I knew I wanted to do something different. And I challenged myself to be like, Hey, what if you try to write a relationship? That's good. You know, what if you mm-hmm. try to write people who love and care about each other and respect each other? Um, you know, and I think in a lot, there are some ways in which that can be harder than writing toxic relationships, you know, to make something like that feel believable and, and, moving and real. So I, it was something that I strove. I, I always thought of that as kind of the romantic center of the book was that relationship. So I hope that people would care about it. Um, but, but I did not expect uh, the level of intensity with which um, people really loved uh, this couple. I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to translate on TV. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think obviously, I mean, I think the casting of it would be uh, such a vital part of that. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I guess I, I don't know. I guess I don't associate that level of 
intensity often with books. I associate it with TV shows and with movies mm-hmm. and uh, comic books or other forms, <laughs> other forms of art that people care uh, that intensely about. So I, I think that that was one of the reasons why I felt so just startled to kind of uh, find myself in the middle of this, this level of enthusiasm for these characters. Makes me really happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about writing. What is your writing practice like these days? And is it has it changed since the pandemic started, or have you kind of stayed consistent? Uh, it's changed a bit. You know, I think in the beginning um, of lockdown, um, I fortunately was was pretty deep. Well, I guess. I mean, yeah, deep into the early in the project, but deep into the draft I was working on of my my next book. So I was able to to uh, work really intensely on that on that draft. Um, in, you know, March, April. I think I maybe finished it about May, um, and that was really important for me, just because again I was quarantining alone, and yeah. uh, it gave me something to focus my energy on. It gave me something to look forward to every day when I woke up. Um, it gave me uh, just, I don't know. It, 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 there's something it's maybe cheesy, but you know, there's something really expansive, uh, about being able to use your imagination in some way, you know, that Mm -hmm. makes it feel like you're expanding the walls of your apartment. Um, so that was so important to me at that, at that time, being able to work on that project. And once I finished the draft, I really hit this like wall. I just kind of plummeted because I was a few weeks out from the vanishing half. So I was anxious about that. And then I had finished the project that I had been working on. So I really had nothing new to kind of focus on except all of my anxiety about finishing half. And I had nowhere to put the anxiety because I was just at in this apartment by myself. Um, yeah. So that was a moment where I realized uh, how, how and, and also I was teaching a class and the class ended. So that, that also ended mm-hmm. up with, around the same time. Um, so that, that was a moment where I realized how important, uh, how important writing, writing is to me in that moment. Um, but but also it was during that time that I that I really started reading really intensely while I wasn't writing uh, anything, and that I think is what also kept me afloat was was uh, was turning that creative energy from writing to reading in that moment, and that that kept me afloat until the vanishing half came out, and then all of that craziness just completely took over my life. So I think a, a thing that I realized over the summer was was needing to find some way to protect the writing time. Um, and for me, I'm a, I'm a person who's, uh, a very much a morning person. Um, I am fairly brain dead after about, uh, you know, 5 PM. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I, you know, I, I would love, I'd rather get up at 6 AM and just sort of hit the ground running. Um, so I, 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 once I realized that, that I was, that I was, you know, sort of getting immediately sucked into email and, and all these other things that were promotion and they weren't creation, I realized that I had to do more to t- sort of shield off that morning time because that's, that's so vital to me and my, uh, and, and, and working towards the project in like a tangible way of, I want to finish the book, but also just psychologically and emotionally. It's so important for me to be able to sit down every day a little bit and think about it and spend a little bit of time in, in this fictional world. Um, so I realized the summer that that was getting away from me a bit and I had to sort of rearrange um, things in my life to protect that morning time for writing. How how do you kind of carve out that space? Like, do you have any tools that you use 
to really create um, this like sacred quiet time where you're not being inundated with the outs the other aspect of your work life? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was, um, you know, I mean, very logistically speaking, I I hired a virtual assistant, um, mm-hmm. and that was something that I just kept putting off and was like, that's so silly. I'm I'm not like a person who needs assisting. You know, I never thought of myself as somebody who would be so busy that she would need help. Um, but, but then again, during the summer, I just had this one moment. It was actually when I was at my parents' house and I was talking to my dad about it. And I just had this moment of realizing that I had all of these different sort of requests coming in from all of these different places and nobody was synthesizing them except for myself. Um, and I was really realizing, you know, I think it's, it's, it's easy to go from the creative work to the logistical things. It's not easy to go in the opposite direction. Um, so I would be up and then start immediately having to think about, um, all the logistics of my day and all of those types of things. And, and even if I had that morning time to write, my brain was already somewhere else. You know, my brain was already thinking about these emails that I had to respond to and and those types of things. Um, so, so I, I hired a great, um, virtual assistant who's so dramatically improved my life and, um, just helped me, I think stay organized um, in a way that I have never been and also just uh, has helped me, I think just psychologically not having to worry about um, some of those logistical details that I was certainly bungling when I was trying to organize them myself. So that's a huge thing. And because of that now, I just, I don't even look at email until 10, 11 AM. And I know that there's somebody who's on top of it. If something super urgent comes in, uh, but it allows me to truly uh, sort of section off that time for writing. Oh, that's amazing. What a gift to yourself too. Because yes. you do like, I, I say this as a person, as people who <laughs> asked you to be on a podcast, like it is, uh, the, the requests are endless. We're the ones sending them out all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also, you know, um, I think that's also a, a thing is just the, the, the sort of demands of now that we're all doing everything virtually, you know, there it's, yeah. there are so many there are so many more requests coming in because all you have to do is hop on zoom to talk to somebody. Um, and, and also because of that, I think it becomes really hard to say no to anything because all you have to do is hop on zoom, you know? So, right. Right. Um, right. So I think that it's, I've tried to, I'm trying to learn how to, um, you know, above all else, I'm just trying to prioritize my writing time, you know, and, and figuring out how I can protect that writing time. Um, in addition to all of these other, uh, opportunities, but also demands that come with this very virtual world that we're all currently living in. It's interesting to hear you mention reading earlier because you know I had ex- I had an experience actually reading your book, which was it's been very hard I think for people to engage with with anything that normally brings brings them pleasure right now, and reading has been very hard to get into. And I had the feeling of being swept up in your book that I had been kind of missing for so long during this pandemic experience. I'm, and I would love to know what you have been reading during this time. And if anything has kind of swept you up in its words. Yeah. I mean, the, the book that did that for me was the glass hotel. Um, oh yes. I got to read and that. Yeah. That was the first book I read in March, um, a little bit after it came out, but that was like the first novel I could finally read from start to finish during the lockdown where I was not stopping at every two paragraphs to check Twitter or to mm-hmm. scroll and, and look at all the charts and the graphs and all those things um, that that were uh, you know so horrifically uh, frightening at that time, particularly. 
Um, so that was, that was really the book that kind of jolted me out of that and allowed me to just like, I couldn't step away from it. Um, and I think it's a really propulsive book. It's beautifully written. Um, it's a really fascinating look at this Ponzi scheme and all the people that are involved in it and victimized by it. And I think there was also something just uh, weirdly enjoyable about reading about, you know, you're reading this book set and the Great Recession as the Great Recession is about to happen and reading about this other disaster, this other type of hmm. recent disaster um, that that you have experienced and seen and exited. There was something about reading about something like that as we were sort of at the beginning stages of our, of our current crisis that that felt really um, engrossing in that way. So that book um, was, was one that I really loved. Um, I, I also really loved Actress by Anne Enright, uh, which is about the daughter of a famous uh, Irish theater legend and their very sort of complicated and tumultuous relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so that book was, was really beautiful uh, and, I, and I really loved that one. And then I read other um, other uh, books during that time. One that I recommended to a friend was I finally read the Margot Jefferson uh, book on Michael Jackson, um, which is a very slim and small book of criticism. So it's very easy to, to uh, not easy, but it's very manageable as a book. It's maybe 100 pages. Uh, and it was really interesting, uncomfortable, um, it's just a look of at American culture sort of using Michael Jackson as a prism uh, for thinking about race, child stars, um, freak shows, all of these different things that she was she was able to analyze sort of refracted through um, this, um, you know, disturbing and uh, enigmatic and yet sort of ubiquitous cultural figure that is Michael Jackson. Um, so it was really interesting and um, and it also just made me keep thinking about, I mean, I love the idea of the form of it, of I'm just going to write like five essays about one person mm. and use, you know, and I kept thinking like, what, who are the other cultural figures that I would want to read um, a book like this about um, that speaks to some larger thing about what it means to be American through this one person who has so many phases of their career um, but that was also um, a book that I just, you know, read in like a day and felt um, felt just I found it so fascinating. Um, I, I'm thinking a lot about celebrity and, and fame and everything like that these days. So um, so that was a book that, that I, I found um, found really fascinating in that way. What an interesting reflection, too, on on race and identity. It, it, that book sounds fascinating. and correlates so much with the vanishing half it sounds like yeah i think so it um it, it she she wrote such yeah she there's there i don't know there's i i won't go into keep going okay. into the book but it's 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 definitely worth and it's something also about you know i don't there aren't i've had a lot of books about that i've read about cultural figures who were like i remember such specific moments in their in their careers you know right. i've read yeah. so many books about people who had died already or who had their heyday decades before I was born. Um, so to read these moments and remember how people were reacting and were not reacting in real time. Um, and then she also had writes an introduction uh, that was, the book originally came out, I think 10 years ago. So she writes an introduction post finding Neverland where she sort of critiques herself. Um, and oh, her, wow. yeah, she kind of takes herself to task for not um, being as uh sort of critical or even definitive she there's a there's an essay about the trial um but she sort of critiques the way that she wrote that essay about the trial which 
I also find it really fascinating when people look back at their own work and think, this is what I should have done differently. Totally. And what a, what a subject to revisit also. Yes, yes definitely. So, Britt, I first encountered your work through your essays. You wrote an iconic essay for Jezebel in 2014 called I Don't Know What to Do with Good White People that, at least for me, really helped reframe my thinking around a lot of the issues that you bring up. And I also feel like it, in a lot of ways, predicted some of the discussion around white people's reaction to police brutality and the protests of this spring. Um, you have this quote from the essay where you say, I feel surrounded by black death. What a privilege to concern yourself with seeming good while the rest of us want to seem worthy of life. I'm wondering if you have seen, does, does this moment feel different to you than 2014? Um, I think in some ways, um, you know, I think, I, I think, I think it's hard. First of all, let me just say, I think it's hard to make meaning from any moment when you're inside of it. Mm, (laughs) Um, I feel that way about the pandemic. I feel that way about just any of these things that we're currently experiencing, um, where, you know, I think about people calling this, you know, the reckoning. And um, I just kind of laugh every time I hear that because I don't think you can call something a reckoning really during the moment. I think that's something that sort of you know, like time will tell whether 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 there has totally. been a reckoning, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I feel that way generally. Um, you know, I think that there is a there's a sense that you know I think uh, sort of when you were seeing these these you know, sort of grand sweeping changes that were happening in June that felt like every day there was some new uh, announcement of something that was going to be changed in some way. Um, and it felt like some of those were, were moments, I think, of that the that the, the public sentiment had shifted in a big way. Um, the yeah. idea that you have organizations like the NFL coming out to say Black Lives Matter, you know, that's, that's not nothing that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I recognize that. And, and I don't and I don't mean to be to be cynical about it. Uh, I, I recognize that. I don't I don't think it's nothing. I think that um, you have, you know, things like, you know, Mississippi changing their state flag. And you talk to black people from Mississippi who never thought they would see that in their lifetimes. You know, you have right. people ripping down these statues and, and these moments um, that, that felt that felt like something had certainly shifted that that Black Lives Matter was becoming a mainstream position and to equivocate on it was to, um, you know, the sort of the Drew Brees thing where, where he kind of stepped mm. in it. Um, saying the same thing that he had said in you know 2017, but the public had moved in a different way. Um, even though his sentiment was the same, the, the criticism he faced was a lot different. So there, there are those types of moments that that have felt like something has shifted. Um, but on the, on the flip side of that, you know, everything that I'm saying is largely symbolic, and yeah. I think that symbols matter, um, but symbols are not everything. And I think more than anything, the sort of swift. Um, kind of symbolic shifting that we experienced in June, if anything, it, it, it sort of frustrated me in a lot of ways because it felt like, you know, if, if, if it's so easy to change those things, then, then clearly they did not matter that much to begin with. You know, if you can just change the name of your football team overnight, or if you can just, you know, change the name of your pancake syrup overnight, then why did you spend so many years telling us that you would not do those changes? 
Um, You know, why did you say over my dead body will change the name of this football team? And then the next thing you know, it's a different name. Um, It's sort of that whiplash um, effect of that that makes you feel a little bit crazy. You know, I felt I felt entirely crazy during gym. Like I was I just I there was something about that feeling of being told all these years. No, that's not going to change. It's not going to change. And this is why it has to be this way. And then the next day, okay, just kidding. It's going to be different. So the right. fact that that happened, uh, you know, there's there was to me there was a duality in that. There was the sense that these shifts were huge and symbolic, and the symbol matters. But also the sense that if the shift could happen, then the symbol must not matter that much to begin with, because yeah. overnight it was pulled away. Um, and it's something about that that in between space that I still try to make sense with. Uh, still trying to make sense of. And I think that only time is really going to tell whether this is just a sense of rebranding of we're we're moving from a toxic brand um, or if this is actually meaningful change that will, uh, that will sort of, uh, you know, help us rebuild the way that this country is structured. Yeah. Uh, I I'm hopeful, but I'm guardedly hopeful, I guess. Yeah how I feel right now but you're right we 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 shall see oh this has been so great to get to talk to you Britt (laughs) (laughs) really I'm so I'm 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 so thrilled that we got the chance to get to have you on the on the show um I know you are incredibly busy right now still promoting the vanishing half and and working um where can our listeners find out more about you and more about your books uh well they can find me on twitter and instagram at brit r bennett um and you can also go to my website britbennett.com where we have links to the books have links to all the virtual events that are coming up um and and you can you know find me find me on zoom uh somewhere (laughs) um (laughs) uh you'll find me on zoom somewhere so you can you can check out the website and also on the social media i post about things Well, this was truly, truly a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, we'll be sure to send you more bottles of champagne to enjoy (laughs) on your own. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is visible on my (sighs) neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially 
a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. All right. That was us and Britt Bennett. (laughs) A radio DJ? I'm a radio DJ. What is your what is your request? Um, what is your long distance dedication? Oh, Dela- Dorlila. Dorlila. It's me, Dorlila. Do you know we got a text message story that someone said that that we are the closest thing they found to Delilah? Oh my god, that's like the biggest compliment. I know. If you don't start know- taking long distance dedication. <laughs> I would fucking love it. I would love <gasps> to do a long distance dedication mini episode. Yes. I know, but we'd have to get all the music right. So I don't think we'd be able to do it. Oh, but we could just read the dedication part. Oh, sure. And then people could play the song <laughs> on their own. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> okay, everyone, cue up. <laughs> get ready to play. My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. Everything I do, I do it for you. Wait, that actually, I would, I would love to do that. I'll be, does she have like a copyright on long distance dedications? I, mean, I don't I think know. so because I, I think I Casey no Kasem did them too. Yeah, I feel like it's a it's a, it's a radio staple. Oh, let us Delilah, <laughs> let us Delilah for you. Uh, okay, great. Well, add that to the list. Um, okay. I really loved getting to talk to to Britt. It was a real thrill as a admirer of her work and also just a person who does this podcast. It was a real treat. Totally. And I'm going to say it one final time. Her books are amazing. Go read them. So good. And I'm in that phase right now, Dory, where I finished The Vanishing Half. And like, I almost don't want to start a new book because I miss my old book. You know that like space where you transition yeah. between books? Well, The Vanishing Half is so good. That's yeah, really good. I get it, though. <sighs> I get it. All right. Well, let's intench. Let's intench it up. Because um, you have kind of a funny intention story, I would say. <laughs> Well, so, okay. So last week I said I wanted to meditate before I went to sleep every night. So I was like, all ready. I got, I, you know, got my iPad. I brought my headphones into the bedroom. I normally, I should also preface this by saying that I normally sleep with earplugs. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. 
So wait, wait, hold on. Pause. Why? Because Matt sometimes snores. Got it. Thank you. Copy. And do you just use like regular, like grow, like get it CVS headphones, like those like mushy kind, or is there like a special head earplugs? Earplugs. Sorry, like a special earplug, like a fancy um, earplug. No, I just use the ones. I think the ones I have are generic Walgreens brand. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. So. I should also also preface this by saying that yes, I know about the headband with the headphones in it. We've and no recommended have, that. We have, but I don't own it. Okay. <laughs> so perhaps that would have solved the problem that I had. <laughs> because the problem that I had, I did it for like three or four nights, and every night except for one, I think, <laughs> I fell asleep. And I was doing only like a five-minute meditation. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to fall asleep. It's only a five-minute sleep meditation. And then like, I don't know, half an hour later, I would like wake up suddenly with like my headphones still in, the lights still on, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, if I had the head the headband headphones, I could just turn out the light and fall asleep with the headphones in. And they, they would maybe kind of serve as earplugs-ish. But, but instead, it was a whole instead, production. It was a whole thing because then I was like up and I had to put in my earplugs and take the headphones out, turn off the light. It was kind of disruptive, therefore, like kind of canceling out the effect of the could sleep you, meditation. Could in you my fall? Opinion. Could you fall back asleep? Like after you yes, did all that, was it easy to fall back asleep, or were you like wide awake and annoyed? That's no, I, I could I could fall back asleep, but okay. it still felt like weird. Okay. So I felt like it was sort of turning out to be more disruptive, <laughs> ironically. But you would recommend these sleep, these the Peloton sleep meditations? I did the Peloton sleep meditations. Um, I've also, I did not, this time around, I did not do them, but I've also in the past done the calm sleep meditations. My husband does the simple habit sleep meditations. There's like, there's a ton of sleep meditations out there in the world. Oh, I've also done... I've also listened to a sleep podcast Mm -hmm. that I think I've mentioned on the show before called, I think it's called like Sleep Cove or something. There are a lot of those out there too. There's a lot of those out there too. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of options, but I don't, I don't have trouble falling asleep. So now in retrospect, I'm kind of like, well, I didn't really need to do a sleep meditation because I almost always fall right asleep. Maybe you need to be meditating in the morning. Right. So now I'm kind of like rethinking my whole meditation strategy. All right. Your med strat, as they call it. My med strat. Yeah. My yeah. hashtag med strat. <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep you posted. But keep you posted. Well, that's a great endorsement of those meditations. I'm now totally. very intrigued. And this week, I just want to I, I just want to put my phone away when I'm with Henry. Like, I don't want to have my phone in my room, in, in the room when I'm with Henry. I've been doing that for a while and I kind of stopped. And then I've been like, well, what if I want to like take a picture of him? And mm-hmm. it's like, mm, I just, I just don't want to have my phone with me. Great. So that's going to be my intent this week. How about you? Okay. Well, I did not create a time capsule, but I actually got a lot of nice, like interesting messages with ideas for it. So I think this is going to be kind of a project I set up because there's so much weird downtime in my new Zoom school, kids always at home life that I'm leading that I thought this could be kind of like a fun thing to put together. Cool. So I think I'm going to figure it out, but I need to kind of go through the messages that we received and I'll share them on an upcoming episode because I thought they were really helpful. So thanks, people who know about time capsules. (laughs) 
Uh, Keep us posted on that. I know. I thought that could be kind of fun. And if anyone else tries one with their family, let me know. Um, And perhaps I will share. If we actually get it done, I will share a an image about our experience. Maybe we'll even just write letters to ourselves to open next year. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so this week, my intention is to explore family volunteering because my oldest daughter has asked, she asked if we could go serve food to unhoused people. I think she wanted to, I think she like has it in her head that she wants to kind of do like soup kitchen volunteering. Oh, interesting. I don't think that's something that can happen right now in covid times um right and we've been trying to figure out you know we have a large unhoused population in los angeles and i've been trying to figure out stuff we can keep in the car to give to people and figuring out some places we can bring water especially when we have heat waves but um i do have a friend who is hooked up with a group that does kind of like weekly um meal making from home and then you like wrap it and individually bag it and bring it to a drop off. Oh, cool. So in my like family fantasy world, that is something that we could do as a family on a weekly basis. Yeah, for sure. Now, will that actually happen as I'm envisioning it with all of us like chipping in and helping and being positive or will it devolve into like fighting and bickering and people wanting to play Roblox and not wanting to do it. I don't know. But this was requested by my child. So I am going to commit to figure something out and at least try it once as a family. Great. Sounds wonderful. Well, I love this for all of you. (laughs) You know, I have to tell you, I was reading Facebook and you commented on something and you wrote to the person, I love that for you. And I was like, that is a real dorism. Like that is a <laughs> Is it? I feel like it's like people say that on like everyone says it. Everyone says it. But it made me laugh because I hear you say it on the podcast and then I saw it you tell somebody else that in writing. <laughs> Did you uh, hear it in my voice? I well I was was I jealous? Was I like, oh, Dory doesn't just save that for <laughs> me? <laughs> no, it just made me I love it made me like it just was like oh. Dory. I love Dory. Look at her. Just she's saying the thing she always says over here on Facebook. Listen, I I truly only say that when I mean it. <laughs> so well, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, well, as usual, it's been a real treat. Yep. I agree. Taking a slurp of my water. <sighs> there we go. Okay, everyone. Sorry. Well, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, George Freer, and Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is ACAST, and we will talk to you all on Friday. Hi. So long. <laughs> <laughs>